Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Adam McClellan. Hey, Craig. Adam McClellan is both a parkour coach and businessman. In addition to being a director of Parkour Generations Americas and owner of Parkour Generations Lehigh Valley, Adam also works in the childcare industry, helping to run a multi-million dollar company. His business experience in the childcare industry has helped him to build successful parkour businesses. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Craig. Excited to be here. So, Adam, your talk was titled maybe semi-mysteriously, Know Your Numbers. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, okay, can you let the cat out of the bag and tell me what it was about and how the session was structured? Sure. Um, I think that one of the challenges that, um, well, business owners, but particularly parkour business owners struggle with is the fact that uh, numbers are maybe not their favorite part of what they do. Um, but they do believe in story and narrative. And I'm a believer that numbers are a story. They are a narrative of the business that you are running uh, and what that business is doing. And uh, so I was hoping to encourage the participants um, and anyone listening that um, knowing your numbers and understanding what story they're creating about your business is going to help you understand your business and be far more educated to make decisions about it. And I'm presuming that you, knowing how organized you are, I'm presuming that you had a vision for, like the vision you wanted to create. So I want to, I'm going to present it like this. That's the vision I'm going to present to them. But I'm also expecting that you had um, like a key takeaway or some particular thing that you were hoping to, that would land with them. And I'm wondering if you could share that and whether or not that was successful. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it was successful um, in, in, I guess, a two-prong approach. Um, one is to kind of poke them and make them bleed a bit. And then two is to kind of give them the bandage to wipe it up. And I think that's really what the, the, the session was about. That has a rough analogy, but I'm running with it. Um, <laughs> what could possibly be right? <laughs> Run with these scissors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so the first was the poke. Um, and, the, and the session kind of started with um, what, uh, what numbers do you know? Um, do you know your average weekly or your average monthly tuition per student? Do you know what percentage of labor um, is uh, as a part of your whole sales? Do you know how many enrolled memberships you have right now? Um, do you know uh, this? Do you know that? Um, and I think for the most part, the room was like, ah, no, <laughs> um, but if you don't know your average monthly tuition, how are you going to know um, how to forecast your numbers or your finances next month? How do you know you, when to decide when to hire someone? Exactly. When you, you can hire someone. Well, exactly. If you don't know your labor percentage, how do you know if you can afford to bring on the next team member uh, based on your sales? And so it's, it's so important to have that. So I think the room started with realizing like, okay, yeah, I, I definitely don't know everything I'm supposed to know, or at least that Adam is asking me to know. Um, but what we did, and it was, it was pretty special, uh, is we just had a blank Excel sheet up on the TV, uh, and we basically sort of created a, uh, a parkour business together as a group. We said, okay, well, this business takes in phone calls, emails, uh, Facebook leads, and walk-ins. Um, and we created a, uh, what's called a KPI, which is a Key Performance Indicators. Uh, which is basically what are the most important pieces of data that represent the key points of your business and how do you track them and measure them? So we talked about um, where leads come in. We talked about how do you make appointments and trials and enrollments and disenrollments and uh, the percentages between those two, basically your sales process so that you can go, okay, this is the funnel that all of my clients are going to go through. How many did it this week? How many did it this month to date? How many have done it this year so far? And what can I gather from that information? Oh, interesting. I've got a whole lot of phone calls, but not a lot of appointments from those phone calls. Does that mean I need to do phone training? Does that mean that uh, that first touch impression is really not making an impact? Or maybe that's great, um, but people are just not showing up for their appointment. 
Uh, is my address not clear? Am I not confirming with people well enough ahead of time? There's a lot of different little pieces of information or, or quick fixes you can actually get out of just going, oh, I never actually stopped to look at these numbers uh, in a meaningful way and see what they mean. It almost seems like the way to understand it is to imagine the story of the person. So it's, it, I mean, numbers have to be an aggregate or, or they're, they're not numbers. And, and what I'm wondering is like, do you try and imagine what those numbers mean or do you try to figure out like what is the actual like the through journey of one person who oh they didn't follow through like how do you how do you take that apart when i'm trying to problem solve it myself as a business owner right absolutely and i think you have to look at it in terms of um i think the simplest way is sort of the weakest link approach um is you go okay uh, i want as little friction between these processes as possible wherever that friction exists and i start seeing those drop-offs and it's not going to work now, this is a kind of a challenging process when you start because you don't really have anything to measure this against. Right. Um, you start measuring, you go, oh, cool. Uh, 80% of my calls turn into appointments and 50% of my appointments turn into trials and 50% of my trials turn into enrollments. Winning, you know, Cool, that's great, I guess. Um, and certainly there are metrics. You can go talk to other business owners and ask them to do the same thing and the community of Art of Retreat can support that. But what's really powerful is if you track that for a year and you go, okay, I got these numbers. I've been watching them. I think I know what they mean. Okay, well, what about February this year versus February last year? Are you doing something better or worse? And what changed? Do you have a new person on the phone? Okay, well, did that number go up or down? Well, maybe that first person was better. Well, what did that first person do better? Oh, uh, they had this. Well, now we're going to have the second person do that too. And now you watch those numbers. Did they change up in March? They did. Nice job. You mm. solved a problem right. just by tracking some numbers for 20 minutes once a week. Right. And I'm wondering if you could share, um, is there something... So that the Art of Retreat group, the people who are here is a, an intentional but a special cross-section of you know, movers or parkour people or gym owners. It's a, a particular slice. And I'm wondering if anything about that group that was in your session, if they surprised you in any way, or and that could be positive or negative, but I'm wondering if there was anything about it where you thought that this piece was going to be tough or this piece was going to be easy or this isn't going to land or I'm going to need multiple examples where they did something surprising. Um, I think probably the most surprising part was um, how many people, even if they're extremely competent business owners, were going, well, I've never even thought about that piece of my business. Mm -hmm. I'm not even considering that impact. Um, uh, Justin Taylor comes to mind. Uh, I consider him a super competent business owner. I learned a lot from his talk last year, um, which you should find whatever recording he did and, uh, <laughs> and listen to his. Um, and uh, he was talking to me afterwards. He goes, you know, I just realized... I'm tracking a lot of my processes, but I have no idea what's happening in my phone calls. Mm. Absolutely no idea whatsoever. And I'm sure he's going to be going home and going, I'm going to fix that right <laughs> he may away. may have already done that. <laughs> right. Um, and then there's other people who uh, had a super good uh, control of one part of the business, but mm. they just didn't realize, well, I actually have never even considered that maybe I should have a budget, um, which was the other half of our talk, is uh, how to apply that. Um, I don't know how many, and I actually don't know how many um, other business people you've had a chance to actually help them. I don't know that you really feel like you should be consulting other businesses. So my question might be a little ungrounded, which is like, what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make, like a really obvious thing that they're overlooking? Oh man. Well, since I said budget, right. Um, I'm going to answer with budget. And that's why I asked because I'm like, oh, that looks like that could be a huge well, here's the, thing. here's the thing, Craig, is that uh, businesses want to be successful, but you don't know what success is if you didn't set some kind of goal in the first place, right? I mean, that's the definition of success is I got to my goal. Now, businesses go, oh, I want to make a million dollars a year, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. And those are great goals, but, but they're, they're, I wouldn't really call those goals because there's not an action plan to get there. 
Um, those are hopes and yeah, aspirations. aspirations. And a lot of entrepreneurs fall flat in their face when hope is the only thing they're riding on. Some make it, but most don't. Um, and I think what you really need, um, if you want to speak extremely pragmatically, is you need a budget. Because the budget's going to actually inform it. Um, the analogy I like to use is having a budget is a little bit like having a field to play in. Um, if I hand you a soccer ball and say, go win at soccer, but I set you loose in the forest, some creative people might totally find a way to, to win at soccer. <laughs> but most people need to go, well, what counts as a win? What's a goal? Uh, you know, when I score, how do I get a point? And what happens when there's a foul? How do I identify when something's wrong? What, what lets me know what the rest of my team is allowed to do? And how do I know how to interact with those? Yeah. When do I take this risk versus exactly play it safe? right? When is it good to pass? When is it good to keep the ball? Um, you have to have that construct in place in order for a game to work. Um, and budgets work the same way for businesses, which is here's the construct of what you can do and what you should do. You are uh, assuming that you're going to grow at this rate with your students. Um, you're going to make some assumptions about what that is going to cost you in terms of labor. You're going to expand out what you're expecting your expenses to be, and you're going to be looking at a sheet that has every number you're supposed to hit for a whole year. Well, now you know the field you're supposed to play in, and as soon as you go off course of that field, you're going to know it. Because you're going to put a number right next to it and you're going to go, uh, okay, February, I'm budgeted to make this much. I fell $1,000 short. I am not winning. What do I need to do to win? And where from the rest of the sheet can I allocate resources to do that? Well, it looks like I've got money left over in my budget from advertising. Time to focus that into my enrollment and push for it. Um, and if, if you're not actually tracking those numbers, you're going to go, well, uh, I mean, I think we're growing. I feel, I feel good about that. Yeah, and, uh, and that's how a lot of business people are. They, they feel good about their business, but... Three years down the road, if they don't hit a certain benchmark, they're destined to fail. And if they don't actually have that projected and budgeted out, they're just going to be floating along without realizing, man, I got to hit these marks or else I'm never going to succeed. So each one of these recordings tends to go in a different direction. And I've been asking a few people, and I think you'd be really good for this question. Um, what would be something, if you had a blank slate, and this is good for you because you're also heavily involved in how the event is run, like behind the scenes, pulling the levers kind of thing. And I'm wondering, what would be something that if you had a blank slate, um, the playing field we're going to set is back at this same venue, but you have a blank slate, what would be something you would want to do at the event next year that hasn't been done yet? Hmm, that's a fine question. Um, especially to the guy who can actually decide that. Like, like whatever I say, you should probably show up next year, right? <laughs> well, maybe not. Because I, <laughs> I could probably answer by giving you the, the best one of those answers I've heard so far from other people, but maybe well, we'll save that for tomorrow. I want to hear it, but uh, maybe you can tell me after. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want that to ruin my creativity. Um, I think the thing that's hardest for people here is the is is finding empty space. Um, and of course, it's so hard to do that because you're here to connect, you're here to learn, you're here to do all those things. But um, in my experience, mo a lot of the magic of these events happens somewhere in the corner when you have my, that yeah, conversation, right? Or or you decided to go swimming in the lake and that was actually a really special moment for you. Um, you'll notice I'm not in the lake. It's really <laughs> cold. You, nobody um, else noticed, but I just shuddered because it's cold. <laughs> it is cold. Like, I did it last year. I got sick, so I think I'll hold back. <laughs> um, but I, you know, a lot of those moments are what make this event special, I think, for people. Um, and it, it's so hard to find space for that. And we, we've done that a little bit more this year. Um, we've left Saturday night alone instead of doing night missions and stuff to just yeah, kind of let people go. The event got longer. There was an additional day, which allowed the same amount of classes. And now there's this big and space on way the, bigger transitions. But e even, I mean, we're most of the way through the event now. There's only really, you know, um, chilling tonight. And don't, don't start the ennui. I'm, I'm like, I'm just getting up on plane here. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I just got my bunk figured out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Back it up, Craig. Um, you know, but even so, it feels like it's rushed on by and I've barely had time to kind of sit down with 
people and have that quality time. So, you know, um, it's always my goal um, when we're planning these events to go, where do we pack in that void to let, because people will fill it. I mean, look around. So, you know, it's just about creating a void of space um, and time to, to allow people to, to kind of let that synergy develop. So we'll, we'll aim for maybe a little bit more of that in the future. Hmm. The only idea that I could think of is, unless you've been here, why aren't you here? Unless you've been here, you wouldn't know that every one of the cabins has a deck. Mm -hmm. Most of them are uncovered, but I'm like, it feels like we should be doing something. And most of them have a lake view that is gorgeous. Oh my God, it's ridiculous. But I'm like, what if each of, like several of them had some kind of theme and then you could go, like if you're upbeat and you want to dance and have music, there's one cabin that does that. And if you want to just, I was just thinking like, "Mm, there are these spaces because we we need a physical space. You don't want to know what the organizer in me thinks? There's going to be one poor soul out in their porch like, I'd like to do interpretive <laughs> yoga. And then everybody distributes and that poor yoga person's like, no one loves me. <laughs> That's the organizer in me is my first thought. Well, okay. Well, so my idea sucks. All right, moving on. Um, what is, um, when you set your own goals for your own business, are there things that you, um, like I'm thinking about like stretch goals versus conservative goals. Like how much do you um, maybe, I don't know whether it's more important to know what you do or more important to know what you recommend. So I'll leave that to you. But do you think it's better to to like set stretch goals and effectively consistently fail? Or is it better to set like, no, I'm setting goals that are absolutely achievable so that I know that the failure is legitimately a failure. Like that's because mm-hmm. I have, that's a. Yeah, I would, uh, you, you stole my word. Um, in my opinion, budget should be achievable, but a stretch. Um, you know, if you want to put that in numbers, five to 10% more than what you're already doing. Um, and the idea there is, is as follows. If I can make some basic assumptions and go, okay, for the past two years, on average, I've grown five students every month net. Um, then I'm going to go, all right, six students per month net. And what that does for either me as a business owner or for the people underneath me whose job it is to do better is it's going, okay, I know I can get to most of that as long as we keep doing what we're doing. The challenge is, and if you have good people, and especially if they're parkour people, they're going to want to step up to a challenge. The challenge is how do I get that extra bit? And maybe it's we're going to make a new program. Maybe it's we're going to optimize our sales processes. We're going to go art a retreat and learn some things and right. implement it. Um, but you got to have that something to work on. Otherwise, your business is stagnating. And I think we all know that a stagnated business eventually falls right. to the world that keeps moving past it. So um, I think a budget should should be realistic. It should be based on real data that says, yeah, this is what you've done in the past and it's what you can continue to do, but has that little extra push that makes either the business owner or the, the manager underneath them go, all right, I just got to find one more thing to do. And there's also an interesting thread in, um, business planning is not really the right way to put it, but there's an interesting thread about um, so I'm a pragmatic, you know, engineering geek and I look at things and I go, okay, I have a model and I have data and I can put the data into the model and I can get a prediction and then I can adjust the thing. And then, but then there's always this bit like, yeah, but how do I know that the model actually, it matches reality. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that a little bit about like measuring, but I'm wondering if what your thoughts are on how do I make sure that, that like, it's not just add 5% everywhere and then it's all sunshine right. and rainbows. But yeah. like, how do you get your brain wrapped? Because like, who do you, like, you don't, who do you work with? In other words, if, if I'm the guy at the top, I can't like pull in my random staff and be like, okay, I have no clue what I'm doing. So right. I want you to help me. Explain to me my credit card processing percentage <laughs> of what's going to happen in the next three years over the course of, yeah, right. It's not gonna so I'm like, how do you find places to like, where do you, how do you find a place to stand to figure out whether your model is working, and it, it, yeah. I don't think you have a yeah. The the answer, my answer is you can't. Um, and and this is this is the biggest uh, 
truth about budgeting. Um, the whole world says that assumptions are a, a bad thing. I mean, everyone tells you, you know, you know what they say about assuming. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very much of the opposite philosophy. Um, the, the reality is that you can't live your life without assuming. Uh, you and I are both sitting in chairs. We are assuming mm -hmm. it's not going to break underneath us. Or I'm assuming the sun isn't about to go supernova, right? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we don't know any of those things for sure. We might have 99.9% .9 right. you know, sure of it, and other things less so. When I go out to drive in the day, I don't think, man, I might get an accident mm -hmm. today. I just assume I won't, but I could. But you have to live on those assumptions. You have to trust them, and you're not always right, and that's when people make fun of you for assuming. But the other 99% of the time you run around living your life assuming things, you're right. You just don't notice it. Mm -hmm. So you have to make assumptions and you have to trust them. And the more you pay attention, the more assumptions are going to be correct. Because if I inspected this chair before I sat on it, I would have a much better assumption that it won't right. break underneath me. So if you inspect or, I don't know, know your numbers, right. then you can make much better assumptions about what's going to happen. And that's what a budget is. It's an assumption. I was also thinking the chair is actually a really good metaphor because the chair that he happened to sit in is a, a kind of sketchy looking folding chair. Yeah. But based on where it is, and by that I mean opposite me, where I've been recording interviews for two days, a bunch of people have probably sat on that chair. Right. So there's like this inbuilt little thing. So I'm, I'm just thinking it would be interesting or it's challenging, it's a good challenge for people to really look at their models and go, where did I get this model from? And yes, I really think this is good. Um, and the other part of that that I had is, okay, you come up with a model, which is, you know, here's my budget. Mm -hmm. And then you set these stretch goals. How do you, I hate to say, how do you deal with when you get people on your team who are like, um, I kind of like the old goal because we were making money and I'm liking life the way it is. And how do you balance like I'm business, I'm the business leader right. versus I'm the leader of the people mm -hmm. well if, you, if you've got people on your team who are deeply involved in your numbers and are thinking eh, i liked it the old way where i didn't have to work so hard you got the wrong people on your, your numbers team, team. <laughs> as um, i am asking i'm like you know what he's gonna do he's yeah, just gonna he's say just, wrong yeah, people that's a, a narrative that would make me want to uh maybe talk in different discussion right. hr related HR topics related instead um you know if you're the business owner for a lot of people here on their scale they're 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 the only ones looking at their number it's a, you know, we're talking about small parkour gyms that are under $20,000 a month. You don't have a, a full-time yeah. accountant. You don't have a team of salespeople. It's pretty much you and some part-time, maybe a couple full-time people. That's a pretty common model in our current business. So it, for a lot of the gym owners, it's just about paying attention and, and, and working that. For people who have a team, then it becomes a cultural issue, which is what do you define success as as your team? Is it hitting the budget? Are there bonuses, commissions, rewards uh, set up for when you do. Um, I mean, in the corporate world, salespeople generally get bonused when they hit their budget mm -hmm. and that makes gives them personal incentives. Uh, so businesses have to decide as they scale up what kind of what kind of systems like that do they want to get in place to make sure that people do maintain that motivation. So we're, we're hopping around, but I think in a good way, we're like going deep and then we're going like crazy wide and random metaphors. Um, but is there something that you think would be a really good challenge for people who are listening that would really engage them on knowing their numbers? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, I think if you're listening to this and you've heard some terms that you're not sure what they mean, uh, or you're just going, um, I mean, I know some of my numbers, but I don't, I don't think to the point of what Adam and Craig are talking about. Um, I think you should. Uh, and I think the first couple steps you can take are extremely easy. Um, it's as simple as open up your bank account uh, and uh, print out a bank statement and write down everything you see on it for a month. How many of these things are expenses? How many of these things? I mean, the, the bank already does it for you. Here's your credits, here's your debits. Right. And break them out into some categories. Oh, this is what I got from tuition. Uh, this is what I got from birthday parties. Uh, this is what I got for office supplies. Mm -hmm. And Overhead. this is what I paid out to rent. 
um, and just start tracking those numbers for a few months. You'll be amazed what you see when you actually pay attention to what you're making and what you're spending. Um, and that same really simple process of, I'm just gonna write this down somewhere on Excel, Google Sheets, look up a YouTube tutorial. You can learn how to use Excel in two minutes and just start tra tracking those numbers down and seeing what they start telling you. Once you do this for six months, it only takes a few minutes a week, um, suddenly you're gonna totally understand the numbers of your business and you're gonna be excited about what they mean and that, that illustration of what your business looks like is gonna start to form in your head and it's gonna make it much easier to decide what your next moves are um, when you can already see what's around you. I think that's a, <clears throat> you, you, the phrase you said was like, makes it clear in your head to decide and I hadn't thought about that until you just said it, but that could be a really big takeaway from knowing your numbers that if it comes down to a decision of like, okay, can I bring on another person or do I need to keep working my fingers to the bone here on this job? That's like a really important decision. And to be able to say, oh, actually, I mean, I can afford this. Like how much pressure would that take off of somebody who's listening if they just went, yeah, I really should have done that three months ago. Um, and that may be a an under-recognized part? Like, is that one of the things that might have clicked with the students, this idea of, you know, this is not just a tool for growing the business, but this no, could no, actually make my life easier. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's what growing a business should be. Um, you know, it, it should be that the, it, it, it unfolds itself. Your business keeps, keeps unveiling itself into new areas and you as the business owner floating right along with that, overseeing it, making sure it happens. I mean, you know, you said, can I afford to hire that person? And there are so many decisions exactly like that the business owners have to make on a regular basis can i hire that person should i invest in this marketing routine should i be changing locations what happens if i change locations? can i buy nine thousand feet of scaffolding because uh, right. i personally want it but no right <laughs> what equipment do i need to do do i need to um you know buy nicer chairs for my parents and all you have to do is make a couple of assumptions and go okay if i hire a full-time person dedicated to sales what do i assume that that's going to do for me you don't know okay then call up your friend at art of retreat and go hey Hey, dude. What'd you get? What, what happened with you? Well, I don't know. I increased it by, I don't know, like 20%. Great, 20%. Now let's plug that in. You have X number of students. Over the course of a year, you increase that student base by 20%. How much more money does that make you? Oh, it's 50 grand? Hey, I got good news for you. Yeah. You can afford a guy to do it. Right. Pull the trigger. And a good person, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if it's, uh, you know, it, I mean, I could just go on and on, so I'll stop. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, it just takes, it just takes, it's a little bit like chess, but it's, simpler in my opinion because it's linear you just go okay if i follow this out i mean i've got sheets and sheets that go january through december and then a new year january through december and under those columns of each month just go okay if i got this much income and i got this many expenses how much money do i make at the end of the day and just plug those numbers in and play with them and highlight them yellow and highlight them green and highlight right. them red and put negatives and, and make some bold and play with it until you can look at it and go aha in one and a half years at my current rate of growth, I will be at this number, and mm. this number is what I need in order to get that thing I really need. Mm. So either what, what can I plan for the next year and a half, or what do I need to do to make that happen faster? Terrific. Uh, Adam, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more, to maybe talk about this topic or other topics, um, how can they find you? Oh, I'm all over the place. They can, uh, the, probably <laughs> the best luck, thing to do is just right. visit our website, uh, just the website for our parkour business. It's lehighvalleyparkour.com. Um, you can also find me through Parkour Generations Americas um, and looking up Parkour Generation Americas on Google and finding the website, um, contacting us that way and just uh, just chase me down, um, shoot me an email. That's probably my best way to respond to people. Uh, and uh, just you know, put the topic like, heard your thing on Movers Mindset and ask me any question in the world uh, because I love it when people are so engaged that they 
want to reach out to a stranger or someone they barely met and ask for more because those are successful people. So do it. Do it. Terrific, Adam. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.